Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Thomas Miller in here with Robert, and we're going to continue something that we did a few episodes back where Robert and I recorded something that was in our own charts, and we thought we would just do this. Well, you guys have liked it, so we're going to do it for everybody. We'll include everything. And that is where we talked about the sun, the one that we did already that's a few episodes back, the sun particularly in an aspect with Neptune, and Robert and I both have it as a conjunction with Neptune. So that will be our starting place for these others. We figured we would go as close to the sun as we can get. That would be Mercury, and we'll start with that. And we'll just do, we'll go all the way out to Pluto, and we'll talk about the characteristics of when you have in your chart. And then I guess, Robert, we could also even bring this to when it transits, like the day that we're recording this. The sun happens to be right on top of Neptune. Go figure. So when we have Mercury and the sun in some kind of aspect, and we'll start with the conjunction, And also, there is a chart that we're going to reference in this episode, and it is downloadable or viewable at the top of the show notes. So when we focus on Mercury, what are we looking for? Well, the first thing I look for is I see the Sun conjunct Mercury. I want to know what houses are ruled by those two planets, because those house matters are going to be integrated into that conjunction. So in the chart that we're looking at, for example, here, you have the Sun and Mercury conjunct in Pisces, across the 12th cusp. Now, I'm using equal houses. But you have the Sun in the 12th, and you have Mercury in the 11th. They're right on the 12th house cusp, both in Pisces. Well, in this chart, the Sun rules the 5th house, and Mercury rules the 3rd and the 6th house. So you're going to bring those house matters into this conjunction of the Sun with Mercury. But just for anybody... Always consider the houses that are ruled by those two planets. But the Sun conjunct Mercury is simply an emphasis on the Mercury archetype by the life force. So that the theory is that the person has chosen to be born at a time where Mercury is close enough to the Sun to be considered a conjunction. Now, there are other, if it's really close, it can be Kazemi, it can be under the rays of the Sun, and so on. So if it gets within three degrees of the Sun, it's an even stronger uh, conjunction. I this, this whole notion about the Sun burns up the meanings of the other planet in, in something like Kazemi, um, I just have not found that to be negative in practice. It's in the books make it sound like it's not a desirable position to have. Um, the theory, I guess, being when the a planet like Mercury or any other planet, if they're that close to the sun within, say, a degree or uh, fifteen minutes or something, that they somehow lose their um, the, the planet's strength. I have never found that to be true, and if anything, it's quite the opposite. Hey, let me, let me just speak to that, because I got one. As you know, I have the sun within that realm of Mars, and I can tell you that Mars is fully awake. <laughs> There's no Kazemi. That's, that's been my experience, uh-uh. too, Thomas. No. Yeah. no. In fact, to me, if it is Kazemi, it makes that, that other planet, whatever it is, conjuncting the sun, even stronger. Well, as you know, I call my son Mars Neptune. I call it Marsentune. I was like, how am I going to <laughs> interpret this? And what I learned in my own life, now this is just my interpretation, me trying to learn astrology, and I wanted to learn it cleanly and purely, so I just started 
looking at what the people say about it. And then I looked at my life's expressions and I thought, okay, that works. That doesn't work. And what I came up with was a really good way. If you've got a super tight stellium, in other words, the planets are really close together, you basically merge that into one flashlight beam and that becomes the energy. And I have Mars and Sun and Neptune all wonderfully expressed and then they get really shadowy when they get shadowy and it's all (laughs) together i agree they're all together uh so you have to read them that way but so what uh, the sun conjunct mercury basically is a person who's born chosen to emphasize the mercury archetypes in their lives and so the things that mercury rule uh, relatives, for example, brothers and sisters, but it's really about communications and the intellect, the mind, and how it works. Now, depending on what the sign is involved here is Pisces, and you're going to read in the books, oh, it's confused, it's very mystical, it can be very artistic and very spiritual, all of that's true. You're also going to read it can be scattered, it can be unfocused, it can spin its wheels into place, constantly talking about the things it's going to do and the places it's going to go, but it never does anything, it never goes anywhere. Those kinds of things you'll read about. But in fact, Einstein was a Pisces, so let's never forget this. I mean, Pisces people can be brilliant scientists. Uh, so that some of those old textbook definitions of uh, Pisces, for example, with the Sun, Mercury, and Pisces, are just flat wrong. Now, n- not always, and it can be confusing. It can be somebody who has too many irons in the fire at once, or has trouble focusing on the one thing that they want to do, that they get distracted very easily, and so on. But it, the key here is Mercury. It's about communications and networking, and it's also about work and health. So those two areas, now you may have people who are very health conscious and watch what they eat and watch what they drink and watch what they exercise. They pay attention to their health, health. they take care of themselves. They may be even in the healthcare fields, you know, an orderly, a nurse, a doctor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, any number of alternative healthcare as well. But health and work and occupation are very much a part of that person's life to a degree that they they mean more to that person than, say, someone who doesn't have a conjunction. You know, there are people in life, Thomas, I know some, who put work second <laughs> in their lives. So their families are more important to them than their work. They work to sustain their families. Other people, uh, they are totally focused on work. And you know, a type A, type A personalities, and they can be men or women who are much better in their careers, maybe than they are at parenting or staying at home all the time so you hope you have a spouse that is better at parenting to compensate for that but so there there are all these factors to to consider but mercury as an archetype when it conjuncts the sun stresses communicate how you think and what you say and how you act and interact with other people and in pisces like this what it's saying to you is be sensitive to other people's feelings, because if you're not, you're going to wind up saying and doing things completely unintentionally that will cause trouble. Why? Because you have Mars and Gemini square this particular Sun, Moon, uh, Sun Mercury conjunction that we're talking about. So the Mars square there, absolutely, and Gemini Mars is, absolutely shows scattered interest, scattered activities. Difficulty in sticking to one project, and in fact, they shouldn't stick to one project. Somebody like this with a mutable conjunction of Mercury with the Sun, square Mars, they need 
variety. They are multitaskers. So when they get bored with one thing they're working on, they've got something else that needs their attention. They need variety and stimulation and change. And so and if they're not, if they are in, say, behind a bank teller's cage at a bank eight hours a day, that's going to drive them crazy because they, they, they're not getting enough variety. They're not getting enough movement and so on and so forth. So the conjunction with Mercury or any other planet really just simply emphasizes that planet's meaning in the chart. And then what if Mercury is in an obvious hard aspect with another planet? Well, it is a square in the chart. I'm looking at square Mars, for example. That's an aspect of anger for one on the negative side. On the positive side, it's an aspect of great industry, an ability to work on a variety of projects simultaneously to reach a certain goal. It requires discipline, organization, and prioritization and so on, which are not easy with this with this square from Mars. Because the the instinct with this is to be easily distracted. And so they can get involved in something, and maybe it's something very responsible, like a work project on a deadline. But if they're easily distracted, like this chart is, uh, phone calls can interrupt them, family troubles can enter, you know, crises at the, the kids with school or whatever. Those things can constantly distract them from finishing on their deadline. And then they begin to get a reputation for not finishing the job. And that can affect their careers on them. So these can become things to point out in a horoscope that really can affect the whole life. A tendency to be scattered, superficial, to have a lot of interest and know a lot about, know a little about a lot, but not knowing very much about any one thing. And to be superficial with this kind of square from Mars. Uh, just not going deeply enough into anything. But the main aspect, uh, result from that square that you're asking about is Mars and Gemini. Square the Sun and Mercury says actions, Mars, are in conflict with my goals. The Sun and Mercury. My work, my efforts to reach those goals. Mars is in conflict with that. What does that mean? Well, it can mean I have too many things going at once. It could also mean I keep listening to this one and then that one and then the other one and I get confused about what to follow. So all of those kinds of energies in the square are in conflict for a reason. They're meant to motivate that person to fix things, to take care of things, to solve problems in their own lives or solve problems in their own communication or their work. Or if they have nutritional deficiencies, for example, that are contributing to health factors, because health is also associated with mercury, and therefore that will also play a major role in their life, either through illness, maybe they drink too much, they do drugs, they eat carbohydrates until they weigh 300 pounds, they're obese, they have diabetes, on and on and on, or they may be a type who very early on learns the value of paying attention to what they eat and drink and how they get how they exercise to learn to love their bodies learn to love the physicality of having a body and pay attention to the health so that's what is called to the forefront when you have a, a square to these conjunctions with the sun and you know there's something interesting that we should point out here too kind of wrapping this up is as we talk about mercury and venus which are of course between the earth and the sun neither of them will be in a square aspect to the sun or obviously in an opposition. Now, it could be in transit, but not in your natal chart because 
the Sun and Venus are never more than X number of degrees. It's 28 for Mercury and 48 for Venus from the Sun. So you can't have those aspects, right? Right. Down with Venus and, and Mercury, they don't get far enough away from the Sun to ever make a square. What is that? How do, you, how do we, like, okay, think about the planets out in space, right? And a square aspect, 90 degrees, obviously. What does that mean that we never have that tension, if you will, with Mercury and Venus in our lives? Well, in old astrology and still today, Mercury and Venus are considered to be emissaries of the sun for that very reason. They never get more than 48 degrees away, in the case of Venus or 24, 28, whatever it is with Mercury. So they're always relatively near the sun, always. No other planets can we say that about. So they are, in that sense, emissaries of the sun, which me and Mercury rules, think about it. Venus, first of all, rules Taurus, the second sign in the natural zodiac. So it's the whole physical and, and frankly, artistic and, and emotional side of life, really, in the sense of relationships and love and marriage and so on, with Venus. Uh, it's also the arts and creativity, and Mercury is the intellect. So that those two things, the physical body, which is Taurus, uh, and, and therefore Venus, and Mercury, the intellectual body, if you will, never are far from the light of the sun. So they accompany the life force wherever it goes, you see. So those two archetypes of Mercury and Venus for everybody are, are relatively close to the sun. They're part of it in that sense, because they can't make any other aspects like a sextile or a trine or an opposition. So that they're, they're in everybody's chart, a part of the sun as far as being emissaries. Now, they can be relatively far from the sun for those two planets, but they're, they're never far enough away to make a, um, a square for example. So they're considered to be with the sun. And then when they're really in conjunction like this, truly within orb of a conjunction, then that planet becomes even more emphasized in the makeup. In this chart we're looking at, Venus is about 30 degrees away from the sun. It's ahead of the, in the zodiac. In, in this chart, Venus is in Aries and, and the sun is in Pisces. So the sun is behind Venus. Uh, and Mercury is right within three degrees, two degrees of the sun. So it's a very emphasized point, the Mercury here. And that's, I don't know if this is making any sense to you, but it's all looking at the relative distance from the sun that Mercury and Venus are. They're never that far away from it. But when they're conjunct to it, like, like Mercury is here, then that planet archetype becomes predominant over the two, over Mercury and Venus. Now, at the same time, you have to take into account in this chart, Venus is angular and the Sun and Mercury are not. So Venus is stronger because it's right on the ascendant. But that's a different thing than being conjunct the Sun. You know, so yeah, and you, you, my old maxim, as you know, Thomas, because you've taken classes with me, is make something out of everything you see. Yes, absolutely. This is so interesting. All right, we'll do Venus next, so we'll kind of continue this conversation. Thank you for this, Robert. This is an interesting study. If you would like to book a session with Robert, go to the show notes. If you would like to see the chart that we were talking about, go to the show notes. If you would like to join our Discord channel, go to the show notes. And the other thing that we would ask you to do, if you like what we're doing and you're on Apple, on their podcast app or their iTunes app, 
we would love a great review. It just helps boost the show up so that more people see it and learn this stuff as well. So thank you for that. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.